0: All the right notes the first book by twitter influencer lance levine it's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty such as youtube slash the ramones the google dolls and many more and all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music all the right notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well
1: all the right notes available now on amazon in paperback for 14.99 and on kindle for all you tech warriors for 9.99 also at local chicago bookstores as well as rolling stone records on harlem and irving if you can't find it ask for it by name all the right notes by lance levine and i have been told i could not put it down i read it all in one day so order it now and see what all the fuss is about
2: The best you got the best. The best little wrestling podcast in the business. All episodes on www.stspod.club. Do you enjoy all the shows here on stspod.club? Well, cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Do you not have the app? Download it and get five dollars by using the code. Dollar sign, B-T-S-T-S. That's dollar sign, B-T-S-T-S.
1: time for another episode of the record store thank you for joining us and we of course before we move on we have to thank our house band for that amazing opening music that we have it's hold the gluten please this week is our amazing house band uh just saw them recently actually they opened for uh Def Leppard at Wrigley Field so hold the gluten please just a very good underrated band that's now on the road so check them out so we are back, as I said, at the record store where, you know, the concept is I grab an album at random off of my enormous um, CD collection along my bedroom wall here, which I have to say has expanded because the Fleetwood Mac section has taken up two complete columns of the of the rows. Um, the albums along the wall, I'm maxed out. If I go much higher, it's going to topple. So I've actually, there is now a stack of CDs <laughs> On my desk where I'm recording this, and there's actually another stack of CDs on top of my stereo, and there's a stack of CDs uh, on my bookcase in my front room, French room as we call it in Chicago. Um, So there are CD stacks growing all over the house, so I'm going to have to, I don't know, maybe buy some more furniture or something. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, my musical addiction just continues, which it could be worse, you know, it could be like cocaine or heroin or something and something that would eventually kill me. I don't think this will kill me, hopefully not. Um, It's an enjoyable hobby to have, I recommend it highly. So anyway, after all that weirdness, uh, we are here with the 15th episode of TRS, and I thank you for joining us. Um, It is, I'm happy to say, it's a 2021 release that I grabbed today. So it is by far the most recent album that I've grabbed. So, ironically, this is the new album from a band that formed in 1972. So this is, today's feature is Crash of the Crown by the band Styx, who you know of, you know, you love Styx, they've been around, this is actually their 17th studio album, uh, along with many greatest hits and many live albums, of course. And it is called Crash of the Crown, it came out a couple months ago this year, and I will apologize in advance, I will most certainly call it Clash of the Crown at some point during this uh, recording, but it is Crash of the Crown. So, and I must say that in the last episode where I called Bonnie Tyler Bonnie Taylor, that killed me upon listening to it afterwards. I did refer to her as Bonnie Tyler early in the episode, but then later on I did let it slip Bonnie Taylor, and I never corrected that. So that kills me. That kind of that kind of gets to me. But anyway, at least I caught it afterwards, and I can apologize here. So much, much apology to you, Bonnie Tyler. So this album sticks, Crash of the Crown. See, I had to stop myself. I almost said it there. Um, an interesting album. It has liner notes on it, which, of course, I'm happy about. It had like a, this long essay um, and it had the lyrics. So, of course, I love that. Um, but it had this long essay, essay by a guy named Mike Mettler, who identified himself on the liner notes as a resident Stixologist. So it turns out this guy has written a book about him, um, has done liner notes for them in the past. So he is probably the world's most renowned sticks expert, I would say, this Mike Mettler guy. Uh, he didn't really, surprisingly, didn't say a ton in this long essay that I poured through in there. Um, he basically was detailing how the album started in 2019, but they had to, of course, um, spin around and try to adapt to COVID and what happened in 2020. Um, they were not able to, of course, get together all of them en masse in a studio and record the album properly, like back in the day. <laughs> so they had to do it in splinters, uh, even though they had started it in 2019. They had to finish it during these those weird, unprecedented times, as they like to call them in 2020. So he was kind of detailing that in the uh, in the liner notes, so that was most of what that was about, and of course singing the praises of Sticks in general. Um, I love Sticks. In high school, I thought they were great. Um, there was obviously the big connection because they were from Chicago. Um, they were very proggy, very catchy. But honestly, if they had been from you know Boston or Miami or wherever, I think I still would have loved Sticks because I I just love that sound. Um, like I said, just proggy, but but popish and catchy and hard rock all at the same time. Um, I always loved Tommy Shaw. I thought Tommy Shaw was such a great singer, um, just great guitarist, um, just a really good presence for that band. Uh, Blue Collar Man, Too Much Time On My Hands, Renegade, some of the great songs that Tommy Shaw was responsible for. And actually, you know what? It reminds me a lot of Fleetwood Mac in the sense that they had three distinct singers um, in Styx. In the glory days of Styx, they had three distinct singers. So they had Shaw... Um, they had Dennis DeYoung and I tolerated Dennis DeYoung stuff. Um, he had some great songs early on. Sweet Madam Blue was great. Grand Illusion was great. Even Lady was a great ballad. Um, but then he got kind of off the deep end and kind of got goofy with the Mr. Obato stuff. And we'll talk about, as we go on here, we'll talk about what ended up happening with the relationship between Dennis DeYoung and Styx. Um, so I accepted Dennis DeYoung. It got kind of weird as it went on. And then there was James Young, who they always referred to as J.Y. I tolerated J.Y. because they would basically it was the the formula with other bands, too, where they would throw him a bone and let him do one song on each album, kind of like a John Entwistle song on the Who albums or Robbie on the uh, Goo Goo Dolls albums, where they would like just let him do a song to keep him happy and keep him in the band. And it was usually a very hard rock song with J.Y., Um and not always the best song on the album. Let's just put it that way. Um, So it was, to me, it was all about Tommy Shaw and to a lesser extent, Dennis DeYoung. JY was there, but they had great success. Um, Grand Illusion was obviously the breakthrough album in 1977. Surprised it only hit number six on the charts because it felt like it was all over the place that year. And I really enjoyed that album. We we're already getting a lot of airplay in Chicago, so I was already already familiar with them because they're getting airplay here on WLS. Um, so I loved them before Grand Illusion came out, but that absolutely made them for sure as far as a nationwide act. So they broke through with that one, hit triple platinum. In fact, they had four triple platinum song, or uh, albums in a row. Uh, Followed up with Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone, Paradise Theater. Those albums all sold over 3 million copies for back-to-back albums. Um, Grand total, over 54 million albums sold. So obviously, you don't think of Styx as being that huge band, but they really were in the late 70s into the early 80s. They were enormous. Um, Started in, let's see, 19... Actually, believe it or not, 1961 is when Chuck Panazzo and John Panazzo were twin brothers. They started, they learned, respectively learned bass and drums. Their friend Dennis DeYoung joined them, and Dennis played accordion and sang. And so I'm like, when I read that, that he initially was an accordion player at like 12 years old, I thought, okay, so now you can see where it goes weird and uh, Broadway esque with Dennis D young eventually down the line. So, cause he started as an accordion player. So eventually learned keyboards and did a good job with the keyboards and the synthesizers, and pianos as sticks went on. So, but they actually all got together as kids in 1961. Um, J Y joined them in 1970. That is James young. You know, I'm an insider, so I call him J Y like everybody else in the band does. <laughs> so he joined in 1970. Um, Apparently, the story of behind the name Styx was because they were voting on band names at the time. And there was always a dissenting voice on one of the names that they were considering. But Styx was actually the name of the band that none of them hated. So by default, they ended up becoming known as Styx. So uh, Shaw, they had done a couple albums, and then Tommy Shaw joined them in 1975. The lead guitarist at the time, the original lead guitarist at the time, quit. Uh, very last minute and very suddenly. So they had to scramble and replace him uh, with very little time on their hands because they had a nationwide tour, believe it or not. They actually already had a nationwide tour in 1975 scheduled. And so they scrambled and found Tommy Shaw to fill in and take his place, which was amazingly lucky for everybody involved. Because like I said, to me, Tommy Shaw, Tommy Shaw makes that band. Um, and he obviously, they made his career. As far as um, just Tommy Shaw becoming a big rock rock, I don't want to say rock star. I guess you would say rock star, but becoming um, so incredibly well known and talented, and so many radio hits that you that they probably never would have had without that great voice. So anyway, the began this the band began began to splinter. Uh, Dennis started going towards that weird stuff. Like I was saying, um, Dennis wanted to go more poppy. He had hits with Babe. Um, and so he wanted to take the band in the direction of the very like soft rock and ballad type stuff. Whereas Tommy Shaw and JY wanted to keep it rock. And they wanted to stay rock and stay true to that. Um, so the band started splintering because of that. Um, What's interesting is there was a song called Snowblind that was actually one of the few J.Y. songs, um, and they took some heat for this song because they were accused of the whole backwards messaging, you know, when you you play the song backwards, it was alleged to have had pro-Satanic messages on it from J.Y., Um, which is really ironic because the song itself is an anti-drug song. Um, When you first hear Snowblind, you think, oh, this is about cocaine. And this is about, you know, rock stars doing cocaine. And it is about cocaine, but it's an anti-cocaine song. So it's funny that in a message song like that, the somehow, you know, somebody somewhere, some mothers against this or that decided that they were going to try and play it backwards. And they heard, you know, the alleged satanic messages, pro-satanic messages. So, It's interesting because it kind of that controversy, as mild as it was, that controversy kind of brought them together in the sense that, you know, they were going in different directions. Dennis Young was going one way and Tommy and JY were going another way with the music. And that goofy controversy actually kind of brought them together. So then they put together Kilroy Was Here, which was a concept album literally reacting to that controversy. Um, They all had a shared common enemy at that point. So Kilroy Was Here went platinum. Um, that was the album that had Mr. Roboto on it, which was kind of the, uh, the comedy, you know, element of, of Styx at that point. I think the people that were hardcore Styx fans kind of looked at that song and looked down on that song, but, uh, it led to a this big, ambitious tour, lots of heavy staging and big, you know, just a big boisterous tour on their part. And of course, the fighting continued after it brought them together. You know, the fighting continued during that tour and Tommy Shaw ev- eventually quit the band in 1984. And then actually the band folded right after that. They folded all together because I guess they realized how, you know, integ- integral a member Tommy Shaw was to the band. So they, they broke up in 1984, 85 um they came back together in 1990 uh they released show me the way which actually became a big hit for them in 1990 um a records at that point dropped them after in 1991 they dropped them uh grunge was really starting to kick in at that point and AM records decided we don't see a place going forward for sticks for a band like sticks which if grunge would have survived and lived and become you know rock and roll period at that point. I guess I can see the point, but damn sticks was still doing some, you know, some vital music at that point. I thought, so they, they got dropped by their label. And again, that was an opportunity for them to break up. So they broke up again in 1991. Uh, Once again, came back together in 1995, I guess the, you know, the paychecks eventually start need to come in, coming in again. So they formed again in 1995, this time with Tommy Shaw. He came back. Um, unfortunately, drummer John Panazzo passes away in 1996. Uh, his liver just absolutely gives out. I guess he was one of those hard drinking and hard living rock stars, and his liver gave out. So he passed away in 96, sadly enough. Um, and interestingly, they record uh, brave new world in 1999, which again sees Dennis pushing the Broadway vibe versus Tommy and J Y that, that battle just continued. It always continued. I have heard so many interviews with Dennis D young since then. And he has essentially become the shtick Billy crystal kind of comedian guy. You know, I mean, every time I hear him talk, he sounds like he's Billy crystal doing a character. Um, so I can see where the two rock star guys in the band, the two hardcore guitarist guys in the band that wanted to drive it towards a rock ending, you know, or end a rock career, I guess, for the band. I can see where they would get they would get sick they would get sick of Dennis DeYoung and his shtick. So anyway, like I said, in '99 they released Brave New World. Dennis DeYoung gets sick. Um, Develops some sort of eye situation where he can't deal with bright lights. And so he tells them he can't go on tour um, to support that album. So at that point, I guess they'd had enough and they literally kicked him out of the band at that point. So that was in 99. Uh, Also, boy, what a big year for them. uh, Bassist Chuck Panazzo, his brother had died recently. So Chuck Panazzo comes out as being gay in 1999, announces on top of that, that he has AIDS. So, God bless him because he has done a lot of appearances for charity and so on. Um, And still to this day, he's alive and he still appears with the band once in a while. He appears on this album. Um, So good for him that he survived much like Magic Johnson, who came out as having AIDS back way back when um, and still survives to this day. So good for them. Um, The band has stayed together from this point. They've added a couple guys who have actually been with them for quite some time now. Uh, they've toured and recorded throughout the 2000s they do a lot of the um the journey you know the tours with journey and foreigner and reo Speedwagon, the bands that were their big contemporaries then um so they do a lot of those you know three top three band type tours or not festivals per se but three bands that are touring from you know your glory years of fm radio days so Anyway, so they're still vital. They're still out there. They're still doing stuff uh, with three of the original members out of the five. So that's pretty cool. Well, Tommy Shaw, I guess, technically he joined in 75 or whatever it was. So he they had been around for a couple years and a couple albums before him. But they really didn't start making a dent in the scene until he came on board. So this album, Crash of the Crown, I said it correctly, uh, 15 songs, although two of them could easily go away uh 43 minutes and we'll get to those two songs 43 minutes and interestingly this is literally the research for this episode is the first time i'm listening to this album so um i had bought it when it came out a couple months ago at rolling stone records cheap plug uh where my book all the right notes is on sale to this day um i bought it there When it came out and i was much excited about it but you know life happens and jobs happen and recording other podcasts and other episodes happen so i never got around to listening to it until this day when it got grabbed for this episode so this is kind of um kind of unconventional but we're gonna actually flip the album here we're gonna take a break and we're gonna pay some bills we're gonna talk to our sponsors for a few moments and we will be back with the second half of this episode with with side 1 and track 1 of crash of the crown by sticks so stay with us guys
2: this episode is also brought to you by spunkloop.com Remember when you're getting funky like a monkey, if you know what I mean, use Spunky. That's right. Go to www.spunkloop.com and tell them STS Pod sent you.
0: right notes the first book by twitter influencer lance levine it's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty such as youtube slash the ramones the google dolls and many more and all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music all the right notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well
1: all the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for fourteen ninety nine and on Kindle for all you Tech Warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about.
2: our uber eats code eats dash brian t 24790 ue that's eat dash brian t 24790 ue use that code and get twenty dollars off a twenty five dollar order Are you enjoying the episode? Well, cash app us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. You don't have cash app? Download it and get $5. That's right. $5. That's dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. All right, we're back. Back in the studio.
1: Back from our sponsors. And back with Sticks. Crash of the Crown, and we're going to get started with this album because we've got 15 tracks to cover. So I want to jump right into it. So the album starts out with the first song is called The Fight of Our Lives. Um, It starts. It's a very familiar sound. It's that very, you know, formula of sticks, the synthesizers, the Tommy Shaw chorus, like the however many tracks of Tommy Shaw singing chorus for himself. Um, Again, you know, much like the Tom Petty album we did recently, the lyrics are very spare. Um, just a couple of paragraphs, a couple short paragraphs for each song. It's a big book. Um, the liner notes that come with this is a big book, but when you delve into it, there's really not very many lyrics. Once again, this is, um, a band that's more about the music and the, the medley, the melody, the medleys and the melodies. Um, and just the jamming, because the lyrics themselves, they they do the same lyrics over and over again. So it's not very not very deep, I guess, in a sense. Although this is something of a concept album. We'll kind of talk about that as we go. Um, the Fight of Our Lives, a total rah-rah song, nothing can stop us now kind of message to it. Uh, very rousing start, but a very short song, only a couple minutes long, and it leads right into the next song. It's one of those albums where a song kind of, quiets down as it's coming to the close, but then the other song jumps in right away without a break. So it's one of those albums that just kind of fades right into the next song quite a few times on this album. So the first track fades into number two, which is called A Monster, not to be confused with Woke Up With A Monster, which was a classic Cheap Trick album uh, with tongue-in-cheek on the title. But A Monster, the second song, a very heavy synthesizer song, um, another Tommy Shaw song. So both the first two songs start out with Tommy Shaw. Works for me. I love this guy. Um, sounds like it could have been a cl- on the, you know, one of the classic 80s albums for them, like on Grand Illusion or Pieces of Eight. Definitely sounds like it would have fit in there. Um, I think Tommy Shaw sounds great here. Um, what's interesting to me is that his voice has always been even. When he was younger and they were recording you know so many of the classic albums in the 80s at 70s and 80s his voice is always so fragile um and yet it sounds the same here it just he's got a high kind of a high-pitched voice kind of reminds me a little bit of john anderson from yes um he just has such a fragile voice and yet it never cracks and it never and granted that's on this is on studio recordings, but it never cracks. It just, and it always sounds the same to this day where he's probably pushing 70, I would imagine. Um, it still sounds so good and it's still, it's always been that fragile quality to it that I've really enjoyed. So this song, a monster has a great guitar riff to close it out. Um, weird, weird lyrics, uh, they keep saying a monster chasing its tail, um, throughout the song, but the song works. I I like the music to it quite a bit. I love Tommy's voice. Uh, so the song actually works. So then we go into this, the third song. It's called "Reveries." Uh, it has a very breezy acoustic start to it. Uh, the synth sound, the synthesizer sound that comes in early, is very reminiscent of early Dennis DeYoung, uh, which was when it was really good. Dennis DeYoung, I thought. Uh, this the the singer on this one is named Will Ivankovich. Uh, he is a another member of the band that takes over some of the vocals from time to time. Um, interesting guy because on this song he actually sounds kind of like john lennon he's got a very john lennon quality to his voice um kind of magical mystery tour era john lennon sound um not the solo john lennon from the 70s but very um early mid mid mid-range beatles kind of sound to it on this song so Uh, And again, the theme on this album seems to be short, odd lyrics, but with the prototypical stick sound. And that's exactly what this song is. It's it's that very common stick sound, but yet with just very weird lyrics. Um, And again, fades down towards the end and fades right into the fourth track, which is called Hold Back the Darkness. Um, Starts with a very haunting, sweet man in blue kind of sound to it, piano and acoustic guitar uh, sticks with this uh, Will Ivankovich on the on the um, vocals. Um, he seems to be playing the Dennis De, Ro- De Young role on this album, um, taking up those kind of so- songs. Um, so they're probably kind of wanting to appeal to the fans of Sticks that were Dennis De Young fans. Um, so he sounds it's interesting too, because I said earlier, he, he's like a vocal, he's kind of like a vocal chameleon because on the last song he sounded like John Lennon, but on this song, he has this very Roger Waters kind of sound to him. Um, just the song itself sounds like something right off of Pink Floyd's the wall. It it totally does. Um, a good guitar jam at the end of the song. Uh, I enjoyed that song. Hold back the darkness. Um, And I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to put my finger on who this Will Ivankovich actually sounds like because he channels so many other singers. um, He just has this weird voice that can kind of sound like other people. So anyway, fifth song, one of my favorite songs on the album, it's called Save Us From Ourselves, uh, begins with a Winston Churchill read, believe it or not, an actual audio of Winston Churchill reading. Um, It's got a really good build to it. It grew. It turns into this real good groove uh tommy shaw singing um again kind of the weird concept of this album it's an upbeat song but it's about it's a doom and gloom message so we need a miracle to save us from ourselves right now is kind of what they're singing so it like i said upbeat but yet a doom and gloom message when it comes to the lyrics so it's got and also another really good guitar riff to to finish this out this song out so save us from ourselves a a good song um just kind of confusing in the sense that the the message kind of doesn't make sense when you compare it to the the um, the song the music rather that's very upbeat. So then we get to the title track. It's called Crash of the Crowns, of course, not to be confused with Clash of the Crowns, which I think was a WCW pay per view early on. Uh, so Crash of the Crown. They say in the liner notes that this is a a monumental song in the career of Sticks because is the first song. That not only includes a banjo, which I don't know that I needed to have, but okay. So they're making, they're crowing about the fact that they added a banjo on this song and that all three lead singers of Styx are singing on this song. And this is the first time in Styx history that that's happened. So, and I thought about it, I'm like, you know, that's probably true because, you know, early on with Grand Illusion and so on. There were DeYoung songs, there were JY songs, there were Tommy Shaw songs, but they rarely, and they would sing harmonies for each other, obviously, but there were rarely songs where they each sung a passage. In fact, obviously, according to the liner notes here from the noted stixologist, there were no songs where the three different singers actually sang a part of the song. So on this song, you've got Tommy Shaw, you've got uh, the JY, like I said, his songs were always a little bit hard um didn't really seem to fit the band and they just always seemed like outliers to me so Jy starts this song uh he's got the weird deep voice that he's always had but in this song he absolutely is channeling David Bowie he's like totally trying to sound like David Bowie for whatever reason um, and I never thought that before I never thought oh man Jy sounds a lot like David Bowie I never really picked up on that um Anyway, so he starts it out with his weird ways of singing. Then we get Tommy Shaw, and then we get keyboardist Lawrence Gowan. Um, a tempo song with, or I'm sorry, a tempo change with each song. So each time they pass the torch to the other guy, there's a tempo change of the song. Uh, very heavy-handed, Game of Thronesy kind of concept. They talk about truth and darkness and light. Uh, reminds me of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody with all the tempo changes. Kind of a gimmicky song in that regard um and especially like i said if they had just gone with tommy shaw throughout this it probably would have been fine but kind of a gimmicky song whatever it's i'm fine with it uh then we go into seven which is uh i'm gonna spill the spill it here this is my favorite song on the album so this will be the patreon song it's called our wonderful lives um starts it's interesting because i love this song but it is 100 percent Fooling yourself, you know the classic old song by Styx, It's it's one hundred percent fooling yourself. Um, comes starts with the acoustic riff of that, uh, and then Tommy Shaw starts singing, and it really drives home the point that this is basically fooling yourself. Uh, but minor modifications. So it's a very folky, very uplifting song. Again, it could have fit on one of the old albums for sure. Uh, sure, surely would have been a radio hit. Definitely, not sure where, but it would have been a catchy song, and it would have clicked. It clicks for sure. So I think it definitely would have been a radio hit. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with the fact that they ripped off "Fooling Yourself." It's basically that song with a fresh coat of paint. Uh, I because I love that song in the first place, so I'm okay with doing basically 2.0 of uh, "Fooling Yourself." So "Our Wonderful Lives" uh, one of the highlights of the album for me uh then we go into eight common ground uh very dramatic drum starts uh with synthesizers coming in totally relies on the sticks formula again another tommy shaw song um he's his voice is just so appealing i think that that was the right call in having him sing the lion's share of this album i think it was definitely the right call uh just beautiful harmonies a classic stick sound to this song um there's a drum solo in the middle of the song, which I found kind of weird. I'm like, do they still do drum solos? I mean, that seems like a concert staple in the 80s and 90s, but there is a drum solo, a short drum solo in the middle of the song. Uh, and then towards the end, uh, Ivankovic comes in and sings the, the closing passage, So it, it almost becomes a duet in a sense at that point. So at number nine, it is Sound the Alarm, um, another beautiful acoustic song, but I say beautiful acoustic song, but it is about the end of the world. So again, just uplifting music, but downer on the, on the lyrics here. That seems to be the concept of this album. So um, saying be with your loved ones now, because the end is near. That's kind of what the message on this song is. So, and by the way, have I mentioned that I love Tommy Shaw's voice? He sounds amazing here. <laughs> so um, it kind of kicks in. It starts as a, an acoustic song kind of kicks in in the middle of the song. and gets a little bit more positive. Um, they do say towards the end they start changing the message to tomorrow will be a better day so hopefully things will get better and it is not the end of the world so sound the alarm Uh, interesting song at number nine um 10th song is called long live the king uh again very game of thronesy kind of lyrics here you can tell game of thrones was probably on everybody's uh, watch list when they were putting this album together because there's so many things that refer to kings and things like that so Uh, This one's a rocker, right out, flat out, just great rock and rock and song. So a classic, I think this would have been a classic rock radio playlist staple had this come out, you know, 25, 30 years ago. But it is a good song. I really enjoyed it. Again, talking about Castles and Kings and Men at the Gate. uh, Just really good vocals. um, Really just good, solid straight ahead rock song in the middle of this album. So Long Live the King, another highlight. Uh, Eleven, here we get we're go- we're coming up on the songs that they could have gotten rid of. So eleven is something called "Lost at Sea." It is a Lawrence Gowan song, the keyboardist. Uh, it's pointless, absolutely pointless. It's there's hardly any lyrics to it. He's talking about the sea. The song itself is literally thirty eight seconds long, so it's kind of meaningless and nothing is accomplished in those thirty eight seconds. And it does that trick where again it fades down towards the end and fades up into the twelfth song, which is called "Coming Out the Other Side." Uh, which is also Lawrence Gowan. I don't know why this needed to be two songs. I don't know why they did this stupid 38-second thing and then led into the 12th song coming out the other side. Um, A weird trick, not needed, just distracting. So it could have been one song with a tempo change, perhaps, um, sort of like Crash of the Crown earlier on the album. So, And as a matter of fact, the music itself, For that brief 38 seconds, the music is not all that much different from what happens on the 12th song. So I don't know why. I don't know why they did that. It's just pointless. So it's actually the full song is actually pretty decent. Coming out the other side, it reminds me a lot of Southern Cross, the Crosby, Stills and Nash song. Um, So it's fine. It's a fine song. Um, And in fact, the the song keeps getting better as it goes and it becomes kind of a jam towards the end of it. So I kind of like the second part of it, the coming out the other side. But that lost at sea to lead into it. Just very distracting and unnecessary. So then we get to 13. There are 15 songs. We're at 13. Uh, it's called To Those. Um, it is a very best of times sounding song. It sounds a lot like that song, The Best of Times, a uh, classic stick song. So another gloomy message, but with upbeat music. So to those is to those who do survive. That's what they talk about here. So not sure what they're talking about surviving. Is it World War Three? Is it the pandemic? I'm not sure. Uh, they got a little political here. They said, we have faith in the human race, not a shadow who's mad as a hatter. So I thought, hmm, interesting. This was recorded in 2019, 2020. Uh, I wonder who they're referring to with the mad hatter comment. We are not getting political here, so don't don't come after me with knives and pitchforks. Uh, But that did seem like a a veiled political message onto those at the 13th track. Um, Then we get to 14, another one of those clunkers that I talked about earlier. It's called um, Another Farewell. It's an instrumental. Again, about 30 seconds and absolutely pointless. This one's even more pointless. The first one was pointless, but it had some lyrics. This one's instrumental, accomplishes nothing, does nothing, and only lasts like 30 seconds. And again, leads right into the 15th and final song, which is called Stream. This is the finale of the album. Um, it's fitting that it's a Tommy Shaw song to send us off, although it is also very short and very blah. So it's a very lame finish to the album. So the album has some some positives to it, but boy, this the, the two tricks that they did with another farewell leading into Stream as the closing just was a very weak finish to the album, I thought. So here are my final thoughts. I will say this is an uneven album. So the highlights to me are Shaw's voice. Obviously, I've said it about 75 times. So the songs that he did that sound like classic sticks here are really good. Um, and But it's uneven. There's other songs that are just kind of there. Uh, there's those couple of clunkers at the end, towards the end um i i'm glad i'm glad they're recording i'm glad they're still out there i'm glad they're making a living doing what they love to do uh this can't match their classics it can't it just honestly you know some of those albums that they did in the 70s and 80s are just classic staples of rock music so i'll give them an a for effort here because they're out there trying into their 70s and they're still touring they're still putting out stuff that people like um uh, As far as this album specifically, a couple meaningless, self-indulgent clunkers that could have gone away. Uh, They could have skipped that stuff, tightened up the album a little bit, and it would have definitely been improved. I think there was some self-indulgence there in including some of that stuff. So it was a very safe sound to it that will, for the most part, I think it'll appeal to old school Styx fans. So if you're a fan of that stuff from back then, the Pieces of Eight era um, and the Grand Illusion era, I think there's enough on here that you'll like it and you'll be okay with the fact that Dennis DeYoung is not actually on this album. So that is it. We have covered Crash of the Crown, which I'm happy to say. I never did say Clash of the Crown except when I called myself out on it that I was afraid I was going to. So Crash of the Crown, eh, it's okay. Glad I have it. I'm a Sticks fan, so I'm glad I have it. I'm glad there was some stuff. There's a couple of gems in there that you can mine if you look for them. So we are embarking on rocktober so rocktober is straight ahead so we have a couple of special we actually have a handful of special episodes with surprise guests throughout the whole month of rocktober as it were so look forward to that i'm looking forward to recording some very special episodes there for you guys uh thank you to brian for putting this whole thing together thank you to our sponsors of course thank you to you guys for listening join our Patreon. It is patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit. It's three bucks a month. You get all kinds of bonuses. You get the, the the album or the song of the album each time here. Prizes, you know, you get all kinds of things and you help, honestly, you help keep me in the uh, the addiction of music. So you help me finance the uh, the album addiction. So join our Patreon again. It's patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit go check out my book. It's all the right notes. It's on amazon.com. If you like the rock and roll, you will like the book. And don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go and I'm going to have a hell of a time in Rocktober. So we'll see you then, guys. Thank you. you. Thanks for joining us again this week, guys, at the Record Store. Show us some love. Cash app us at dollar sign $BTSTS. Or hit us up on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash shootintheshiznits. You can find me on Twitter, at ChocolatierLL, or on Facebook at Lance Levine. That's L-E, capital V-I-N-E, because, you know, I'm classy like that. And you can find all the previous episodes of the Record Store at stspod.club. If you want to check out some other great music podcasts check out my guy pat francis at rock solid the comedy podcast for all things rock and roll both new and classic or check out nixology from the mysterious steven all about the careers and if you like to eat as badly as i do check out my guys jay and rick at the i'm fat podcast for some great food related laughs every single week thanks again for joining us today guys and remember thunder only happens when it's raining and players only love you when they're playing.